Father, we just thank you for this time that you have set aside for us to now just sit quietly and allow the Spirit to quiet ourselves and to, for you to speak to us about what your word has to say. We thank you again for the ability to praise and worship you in the house of the Lord. We thank you that we're able to gather together. We thank you that we're able to see each other's faces and encourage one another just by uh, your very presence, Lord, in this place. We thank you for all those things, too. We do ask that you remember Pastor Gus as far as his health is concerned. We pray for healing for him right now. And thank you for Ronnie and her dedication and service to you as well, too. We pray for her. And we just give you praise, Lord, for, for Carol having housing and having a place to go. And Amen. we pray that you will just continue to lift her up as well, too, in encouragement. And that you will help to provide that furniture that she very much needs right now. And of course, there are many people to pray for for different reasons, Lord. We thank you that you um, give us the mindset to not think just of ourselves, but to think of others. And Lord, you know what our own needs are. And Lord, you know that we need things as well, too. And Lord, we thank you that you give us a provision, a measure, those things that are necessary to function. And we thank you and give you praise, Lord, for your grace, for your mercy, for salvation through Jesus Christ. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I try to talk softly. Maybe that'll help. That may not work in the long term, but we'll do our best. It's been a year since we've been in a lockdown. We've had to reckon with complete change in our daily routine. Of course, with this, what has to be called a life-changing experience, there have been numerous opportunities to evaluate and reevaluate our very lives. Amen? Amen? We've had a lot of time to sit when we had to kind of quarantine and stay put. It's like, Lord, where is my life right now? Where am I going? What am I doing? How is this working? We've had, some of us still have careers, amen. Some of us are still working. We've had to look at those issues and we've had to look at how things happened in the past versus where they are now. And now we've also had to plan for the future. There's a future out there. There is a future. We have days ahead that we have to reckon with. And I'm not just talking about the immediate future. There's going to be a future where there's no masks, there's no quarantining, there's no limitation. We're going to get back to a place where we were before. So there's a plan for that too that we should have in our own minds. We're reminded that God himself saw all of this coming before it happened. Amen? Amen. Amen. Saw it all. Knew all about it. He provided us, each of us, the opportunity as life got a little bit more simplified to evaluate where we are in our fellowship with Him. You've had time to sit and think about your personal relationship with the Lord. Our church gatherings, of course, were drastically altered. We're going to be probably going back outside very soon as well, too. But we've had more time to sit before Him as we read our Bibles. I trust this is you that I'm referring to. Amen? Amen. 
time to sit and read Scripture. We've had more time with him in prayer and meditation. We've had more time to seek Jesus. And we had more time to assess where we were. Now, the best products in America are tested regularly for consistency and to see if the quality holds true over time. Anything that you rely upon, working light bulbs, nails that are used in construction, and even your smartphone must pass muster through the manufacturing and construction process. All of this describes a maintenance of quality standards of manufactured goods. It requires inspections and testing over and over again to ensure quality. So with that in mind, it's time for you to make a quality assessment. A quality assessment of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because you don't stand still. You always assess and reassess and make sure that you're following the path that God would have you to follow. Now today, instead of an inspection, you're going to be involved with introspection. Your testing will be consistent with how God refers To his testing of those he loves. God does test you. To see where you are. Take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy 8. Now every now and then you're going to hear me dabble around with different versions of text. Don't get hung up on that. But usually that's done just to provide hopefully better clarity as you listen while you follow along along in your own text. Now I'm going to be reading this from the Holman Christian Center Bible, which is since then has been superseded by the Christian Center Bible, but the Holman is still around. And I'm very thankful for that because I like that version. But in this particular text, I'm going to read Deuteronomy 8.2 from that version. Remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness so that he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. That verse pretty much summarizes this entire text we're going through today. He led you on this journey through the wilderness. Have we not been in a wilderness for the past year? A totally different place in our lives from where we were before. And it's been 53 weeks since we started in this wilderness. I praise the Lord, it's not 40 years. Amen? Amen? Amen. 
But he wants to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Here's another verse to look at. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. That'll be primarily what the text is that we follow. But 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7. Another mention, I gave you an Old Testament reference, and now I'm giving you a New Testament reference of the same thing. Verse 6, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There is an end result here. It's seeking Christ, being with Christ, and having eternal fellowship with Christ. But through that process, you're going to be tested. You're going to be refined, just like fire refines gold. Nobody wants to talk about being refined or tested. But let's be honest about this. If you're not tested, how do you know you're winning? How do you know? Life isn't always hunky-dory. There are things that we have to go through as individuals, as a church as well, as part of that test. But the test is put there, basically, guys, it's a pass-fail. It's a pass-fail. Because we're all on different levels, we're all in different places of growth, but we still all have the same responsibilities. What is the purpose of your ongoing personal quality control? That's what we're calling it. This is your own personal quality control. Well, it starts with personal growth. Take a look at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James 1, verses 2 through 4. This is going to be from the New Living Translation. A very readable text. Verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. First thing you don't think about when you're going through trials is that, boy, I'm joyful. Well, not that kind of like smiley face joy. Emoji joy. Nothing like that. Joy means sometimes just getting through the situation and saying, praise the Lord. But verse 3, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. 
Amen. So it starts with personal growth, and this quality control now ends in completion as you're refined with that fire from none other than the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit's fire. We have the imagery of that in Acts chapter 2, when the flames of fire came down. That was the Spirit coming down. Flip over to Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. English Standard Version. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So what does all this do? It ultimately gives us hope. It gives us character. Character grows. Character develops to a finished product. Notice that your personal quality control assessment should always take place with the reminder that God loves you more than you can even imagine. Amen? He's not a harsh God. He knows we're going to mess up from time to time. He loves you just the same. There's a false teaching out there that God doesn't love people. God loves everyone. God loves every single being that he ever created. And it rankles me sometimes when I see people put stuff out there. It's like, come on. There is no biblical foundation for what statement you just made. God loves everyone. Always has, always will. People forget, you condemn yourself to hell. He doesn't condemn you to hell. He loves you more than you can even imagine. He refines us with with fire and his intent is to create a finished product that reflects his sanctifying power. You are to be a reflection of Jesus Christ. That's why you're being refined. That's why you're being tested. That's why you're going through these different things that are taking place. It's for your personal growth. So that you can be more like Christ in your actions, more and more each and every day. No matter what you're going through. You can't be a sometime Christian where Everything is good. You'll treat everybody the right way. But when everything is bad, that's not going to work. While you assess your quality of faith, the Spirit shows you what you need to do as you go through suffering. He builds your character while not beating you down. God is not in the business to beat you down. He doesn't want to beat you down. If you take it that way, then you're not taking it the right way. 
It's not to beat you down. He's going to remind you of his word. Amen. He's going to remind you what he, te- he teaches you. He's going to show you what you need to do. He's not going to beat you down. Don't let your flesh tell you otherwise. He wants to preserve. He wants you to preserve, persevere, and endure because he loves you very much. So let's start with that. With that in mind, where do you stand in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Is it a high-quality relationship? Or does the quality leave something to be desired? As you study the Word of God, your growth in your relationship in Jesus is a reflection of your sanctification process in the power of the Holy Spirit. If there is an inaccurate assessment, or even worse, no assessment, you cannot determine your progress. Period. If you're not assessing it, you don't know where you are. Amen? You don't know where you are. Amen. Welcome to Sunday school, everybody. If you could mute that, that would be good. Okay. Praise the Lord. Well, praise the Lord that people are actually paying attention. Amen. (laughs) That's, That's pretty important. I mean, we are still having church, whether it be here or online. So that's pretty important. Okay. If the assessment is inaccurate, you can't determine your progress. The evidence is going to be in the lack of personal growth. There's a lot of believers out there that are just not growing. They're not developing. They're not progressing. That's bad. Not a good thing. Believers should only be babes in Christ for a relatively short period of time. A short period of time. Bottom line, everybody, you got to put in the work. You got to put in the work. If you want to do a quality assessment of your life, you got to put in the work. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But in the meantime, go to Hebrews chapter 5. Let's look at verses 12 through 14. Are you ready to put in the work? You got to be ready to do it. Should have been more than three amens on that, but I get you. You got to be ready to put in the work. Amen? Amen. That's better. I can hear you. Hebrews 5, verses 12 through 14. Now you've seen this verse before. But what's being said here? For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. The basic principles? Where have you been? You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the work of righteousness. In the word of righteousness, excuse me. Since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good and evil. So what's being said here? The babes in Christ are immature 
and they don't have the proper discernment to be able to fight off what's evil and deal with and hang on to what is good. They struggle with these things. But God tells us that we don't need to be stuck in the miry clay. We don't need to be stuck in a ditch with spinning wheels. Now, since no one here, and this present company included, will readily admit publicly of a lack of maturity or being unskilled, the beauty of this exercise and this introspection is that you can keep all of this information to yourself. That's the beauty of this. You might be jacked up, but no one needs to know that except you and the Lord. Praise the Lord. Even those who may indeed be mature in the faith. Let's just use the for instance. We're all mature in the faith. Guess what? We can always get better. There is always room for improvement. Amen? Amen. Always room for improvement. This is why quality control is necessary. Quality improvement elevates average quality to good quality, and it moves good quality into hopefully exceptional quality. As you become more like Jesus Christ, that's the exceptional category where we want to be. It's now time for your own quality control assessment. So here are some questions, you can jot these down, that you should honestly ask yourself. Number one, can you honestly say to yourself that you are making progress in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Just write down this. Are you making progress? Are you making progress in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Now, that's a yes or a no answer. Not maybe. You either are or you aren't. Second question, if others were to observe your behavior or even comment on it, would they see a progression in your relationship with Christ? Would they see it? Would they see a change in you over time? Would they see a maturing factor in your behavior? Now we allow for little meltdowns here or there, amen? But ultimately, there should be a track record where people see growth and improvement over time. These are the touch points of your quality assessment. So this is what you're trying to address. Now, if you have not reflected on either of these questions, then how can you know where you are? Is there a tendency to struggle with getting anything meaningful out of a Bible study? How easy is it to be an effective part of a fellowship if you are having prolonged personal struggles with your own relationship with Jesus Christ? We don't need pretenders in the church. Amen? We need people who are real about who they are. We don't need actors. Sunday morning is not the time for you to get your Go for a, a, an Emmy nomination or an Oscar. 
Because you're acting, but you're not living for Christ the way you should be. Now, all of these things can be a personal struggle. Again, this is, keep this to yourself, amen? But cause you have an enemy who wants to see you flounder. You have an enemy who doesn't want to see you succeed in this. So start asking the questions that perhaps you have avoided until now. Fear of the unknown will sometimes keep us in a paralysis of not looking at who we really are. And how we can improve ourselves. As you ponder this, I know that Satan would prefer that each of us never reach our full potential as believers. Amen? This is a fact because we've seen this in scripture. He does not want to see you succeed in this. Robs and steals, lies, destroys. These are all adjectives that have been used about Satan. We know that Satan is the greatest liar of all time. John 8, 44. Liar and the father of liars. He'll lie to you to deceive you. And make you think you're all that. When you ain't. If you are to accurately assess where you are in your fellowship with God through Jesus Christ, you're going to need to provide measurables. Quality control people always use measurables. These are measurables to see, to determine your progress and where you're going with this. It's not a difficult process to measure where you are because there are basic tenets that you can use in determining this. Now, you can add some points on your own with these basic doctrines, but I have examined three particular areas that should be at the forefront of any measurement of your assessment. Number one, your level of obedience to God through his word. Your level of obedience to God through his word. Now, I just said level of obedience. So we've got different levels. These are measurables that you can take in determining how obedient are you really to the Lord and his word. Number two, your growth in the knowledge of God through his word. Your growth in the knowledge of God through his word. That's immeasurable because you're doing what? You're going to be studying. And getting better. The only way you don't grow is what? You close the Bible. Just shut it up. Leave it on a table somewhere. Number three. Your peak level with understanding of God and his word. Everyone's trying to get to a level that's higher than it was before. There is a peak level. The peak level is when you recognize that you have a wonderful communicational relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He speaks to you through the Spirit. He's teaching you through His Word. You're praying to Him. But there's peak levels. There's a level you're trying to get to. That's maturity. All of these points very specifically refer to God's word in your life. God's word has to be the primary process in this assessment. The word is teaching you how to grow. It's giving you information. How do we get to know about who God was in the first place? 
How do we learn about God? It was through his word. It had to be communicated for you to understand the basic principle of getting saved. We learned about the good news through exposure and reflection upon God's word. How do we learn more about what God's word has to say to us? We have to read it and study it on a consistent basis, a regular basis, a daily basis. Can't emphasize it enough. The two-year Bible plan allows you to read seven to ten minutes a day, people. And take the remaining five minutes of that time. If you want to block out 15 minutes of your time. 15 minutes! Seven to ten minutes of reading. Five minutes of meditation on that word. That's a launching pad. For your day. Satan wants you to make it look like it's a big chore. It's a waste of time. You don't need to do that. You're not going to grow. The Holy Spirit is going to provide insight as we learn. And we reciprocate to God by communicating with him in prayer. In the power of Jesus Christ. Take a look at 2 Chronicles 7.14. 2 Chronicles 7.14. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Holman Christian Version. And my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. So take this passage, and how does this correlate then with your quality assessment of your Christian life? The answer to this question leads back to our point number one. Your level of obedience to God through his word. You've got to be obedient to God's word. That's where it starts. That's what 2 Chronicles 7.14 is saying. Pray and seek my face. Turn from their evil ways. He's going to hear you. Humble yourself before the Lord. You've got to be obedient to his word. I've said this many times before, but we cannot love God unless we are obedient to his word. You cannot say you love God and then lie about it because you just want to keep sinning. You can keep sinning if you want to, but don't say you love God. Plain and simple. All that God wants from us is our obedience. That's what he wants. He wants us to be obedient. That's all he wants. If you're obedient, you're gonna, that covers a huge area of your life. The quality assessment of your obedience should move you to a place of living where if you're talking about a peak, that's the abundant life in Christ. The peak of your life in Christ is the abundant life in Christ. Now understand, what does the abundant life really mean? You are at your peak of performance when it comes to truly living for the Lord Jesus Christ in whatever you're doing. And there is a blessing that comes from that even in the midst of difficulty, 
even in the midst of struggle, even in the midst of uncertainty, is still an abundant life. Let's get back to basics. How blessed are you? How blessed are you? Everyone in this room is immensely blessed. Doesn't mean we haven't been through some stuff. But you are immensely blessed. You have blessings that are so amazing and incredible, you even forget some of the ways you've been blessed. Because there's so many of them. If you're regularly practicing obedience to God's word, it stands to reason that God is going to respond to you with blessings as a result of your obedience. He will not withhold his blessings from you as you are obedient to him. And that's a big amen. He affirms us both in good times and in our struggles with a number of blessings. The bottom line is that your obedience to his word assures that you are in fellowship with him. You know that you're in good fellowship with him when you see these blessings coming. The communication is flowing. Things are happening in your life. And you can show others the same by God's reflecting on God's goodness in your life. Teach these people. They need to hear how God has been good to you. Teach them. Speak to them about it. Don't hold back. Your prayers are going to be heard and answered by him. Cautionary note on the prayers being answered by him. Sometimes you will pray to him and he'll answer your prayers, but it may not be the way you expect it. Doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. It could be better. But he will respond. Because he knows, he loves you so much, he knows all about you. More than you know about yourself sometimes. Nothing wrong with that. That's good. He's going to open your mind, expand your way of thinking, touch your heart through this whole experience. This is how you grow. You need an expansion sometimes of the way you think. How you process information. How you see things in your life. He's the one that gives you this insight. He's the one that gives you the ability to see the perspective of someone else. Even if they're not in agreement with you. But that's wise. That's dealing with knowledge. That's important. It will be a powerful relational growth in obedience and fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. You'll see his love for you more and more as you go through this process. It's going to be visible in your daily walk of faith. You will, as a result of his love, love him in return, have a greater desire to want to be obedient to him. You understand the importance of developing a relationship? You don't want to disappoint God. As you learn more about him. If he's an afterthought, you're going to disappoint him all the time. Amen? It's a love relationship that's going to grow and continue to grow as long as we don't inhibit it with sin or other forms of disobedience. 
The love he has for us is beyond any description. So God's desire for you is to be obedient to his word. And we're going to go through an exercise here. Um, your quality control process begins here. So let's examine this process. Let's take a look at an example. We have a test case in scripture to look at. Let's look at the man who was born blind in his encounter with Jesus in the book of John. It's going to be points mentioned within the text of John 9 verses 1 through 41. We won't cover all of that, but we will cover a good amount of it and just keep moving forward. So let's start with John chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. So let's go ahead and do that. And let's look at this test case scenario. Uh, one thing that you do in quality control, sometimes you actually look at other people who have done stuff like this. And you're not trying to reinvent the wheel necessarily. You're trying to follow a process. So we're going to look at this process here. The blind man, of course, just as a preface to this, has no knowledge of Jesus Christ. So that's the starting point we need to understand. And this is also going to be a training opportunity for the disciples who are there with Jesus. John 9, verses 1 through 5. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Interesting question. The assumption is being made here that this man, or maybe someone in his family, sinned. And that was the result of his being born blind. This is all about education and information. Because understand something, we do the same stuff too. Well, something's happened to so-and-so, therefore somebody must have messed up. Well, you don't know that. And you can't begin to know that. Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents. So he, he debunks that right away. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Expand your mind, everybody. God is giving you something here to show you. He uses people through demonstrations to reflect his glory. Expand your minds. Verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming. When no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. God uses situations involving his people specifically for his glory. And fulfillment of his purpose. Always, always remember that. It's not your job to judge where this other person came from. Amen? Drop down to verse 6. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Sent. Remember that too. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now, test case here. This is a demonstration of an act of obedience. This is obedience. The man didn't know Jesus from whatever. 
Jesus spits on the ground, puts mud on the man's eyes, said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. The man went and did it. It's obedience. The blind man is beginning the process by the simple act of following instruction, obeying God's word, obeying his statement. To allow Jesus to use this incident for his glory. This should be a reminder for all of us. If you don't know nothing about what's going on in your life, just obey God. Just follow his instruction. Even as you are learning who Jesus really is, your discovery begins with your obedience to his word. And it is the launch pad, the launch pad for your personal growth. You should be taken off like a rocket. God is always going to honor those who honor him. John 12, 26 says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, the father will honor him. This is a declarative statement. Honor the Lord and he will honor you. And understand something has nothing to do with how much you know about him. You just start at the beginning. Start at the beginning. Let's go back to John chapter 9, the blind man. Drop down to 9, John 9, verse 8. John 9, verse 8. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, now here's all the people coming and looking. Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. There was a change. Verse 10, so they said to him, then how were your eyes open? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. I do not know. And say, say, I don't know. I don't know. No, he says, I do not know. Sorry about that. A little inflection there. <laughs> Thank you. So here are the man's neighbors asking the man questions about what really happened. And it appears that some of them were ready to report. Now, look, now listen to this, guys. Report the matter to the Pharisees because of Jesus is performing this healing on a Sabbath. You know, never mind that a miracle had taken place. Okay? Satan is never going to waste an opportunity to cause spiritual blindness on those who are unwilling to believe Jesus. He will never miss an opportunity. Know the motivations of those around you, everybody. Allow for discernment to come in. Allow the Lord to speak to you. You don't have to follow that crowd. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. You do not need to follow that crowd. Drop down to verse 13 in John 9. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. 
So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a great division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. Which was true. Of course he was a prophet. But even the blind man was still learning about who Jesus was. This brings us to our second point. Growing with knowledge. Growing with knowledge. We are all still in a discovery process. Amen? Amen. We know what we've learned in our own readings and studies. when We've heard people say about Jesus. But guess what? You, you are your own best learner of this. By allowing the Spirit to speak to you. Growing with knowledge. Note the number of questions about Jesus' legitimacy after the man described again what had happened. Where is the diffusion, where is the, pardon me, the confusion and division coming from here? Satan wants to distract us from being obedient to God and getting us off track when others around us start shouting loud and long about the legitimacy of Jesus Christ. In other words, Satan wants you distracted. Amen. Satan's worst fear is that you are at your peak in Christ. So he will do everything he can to keep you from reaching your peak. A word to the wise. Do not listen to those voices and stay focused just as the man does. Notice the blind man, formerly formerly blind man, stays focused on what's important here. He knows what happened to him. He knows that he is no longer blind. He can see. He doesn't care about all the other noise behind him. That's the way you should be too. Because there's always going to be noise, everybody. There's always going to be somebody saying something weird or stupid or dumb that gets you off track. Amen? Amen. Did I just say it? Weird stuff, stupid stuff, dumb stuff that gets you off track. A lot of the stuff that we get off track with is dumb. Don't let it happen. Only by staying focused can you continue on the next step, growing with knowledge. Second Peter, let's go, uh, hold your Bibles on John 9. Go to Second Peter 1, verses 5 through 9. 2 Peter 1, verses 5 through 9. This kind of summarizes what we just talked about. In a succinct way. Second Peter 1 verses 5 through 9. For this very reason, this English standard version, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. 
For if these qualities of yours are increasing, they will keep, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Note the progression in this very passage. You've got to put in the work. This is a work process. The faith starts everything. But then look what's being added. Virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness. All of those things are going to help you to achieve this growth. And to lack it will keep you, what does it say? Unfruitful and ineffective in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You've got more to learn and there's more to do. Make a note of that passage and come back to that later and look at that again. But in the meantime, let's go back to John 9. Drop down to the blind man's second go-around with the Jews. He didn't have just one speech with them. He had a second one. Because these Pharisees were just messing with him. Verse 24. We're going to drop all the way down to John 9, 24. And we're going to go through all the way to 34. Because we need to see this encounter for what it really is. Verse 24. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind. And said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man, referring to Jesus, is a sinner. Verse 25, he answered, whether he is a sinner or not, sinner, I do not know. You see, he's still learning about who this man is. One thing I do know, (laughs) that though I was blind, now I see. Amen. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Verse 27, he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? You know that ticked him off. Verse 28. And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. No, they ain't. But we'll go on. Verse 29. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know. We do not know where he comes from. Verse 30. I love this passage, everybody. This is great stuff. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. This is a man speaking truth now. You better believe that the Lord gave it to him to say it too. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin. And you would teach us? Well, y'all got schooled. And they cast him out. Of course, they threw him out. So the man was now speaking how? Based upon what? His own experience. And the knowledge and the logic, logic is good, everybody. 
Be logical in your approaches. That he has a, he knows about who Jesus is and how he stood his ground in the face of the Pharisees even though his parents were fearful. You go back in verses 17 to 23. Remember, they talked to his parents and the parents didn't want to say anything because they were afraid. God will give you the ability to stand your ground if you remain confident in him and in the knowledge that he gives to you when you speak the truth about him. Stand your ground. Stand firm in the faith. How confident are you in speaking up about Christ when you have the opportunity? Are you confident about that? You should be. As you grow in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you should get more confident in the process. Doesn't mean you're not going to be fearful sometimes. But the confidence overshadows the fear. But only Jesus can do that for you. Acts 28.31 He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That should be you. As you're approaching this growth and this peak that we're talking about. Hebrews 3.6 But Christ as the Son is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. Courageous. Be courageous. You've heard these words before. Be courageous. With knowledge comes power. Power. The power is in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. With knowledge comes power. We can't afford to have kids coming through school just being dumb all the time. They gotta get some schooling. They have to have knowledge. That's for their own good. For our sake, knowledge brings power. The Spirit can work in you as you learn and know more. Here's the aftermath of the former blind man's encounter. Go down and uh, go back to John 9. After his encounter with the Pharisees, John 9, verse, verses 35 through 38. Start at verse 35. John 9, verses 35 through 38. Now, you know Jesus orchestrated this whole event. Amen? We know that he did this because it was pretty much told to us back in verse verse 5 of this section. It says, verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, and went and found the man. He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, he answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. Verse 38, he said... Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. That's when he became a believer. You see that? Notice how Jesus seeks out and finds the man. He asked him if he believes in him. Is this not what Jesus can do for you when you seek after him? If you seek after him, he gives you the confidence to know that you're dealing with Lord and Savior of your life. 
No matter where you are, what's going on in your life, Jesus promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's his promise to us. Of course, the Great Commission, right? Reminds us of this. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. He knows that we need the strength to be able to do that very thing. That's why he's with us always. The former blind man now worships Jesus once he realizes who he is. He now has greater understanding after being obedient and growing in knowledge through the experience. Now comes point number three. We're wrapping this up, guys. Progress in your quality assessment continues through a greater understanding of who Jesus is. The man being born blind didn't just stop there. Now, we don't have an account of what he did. But there was more to learn. There was more growth. As you read God's word, you become stronger in your faith and you begin to see glory, God's glory, in everything you experience. Not just in pieces, parts where, Lord, Lord, bless me today. No, there's much more to see. You'll see more of his glory in everything you experience. Because you need to see him do those things in all of your experiences. There has to be an expansion. The increase in understanding leads to growth and progress in your spiritual walk. It's a natural progression of your faith and you're going to continue to be obedient and grow in knowledge. So by this progression in faith comes a peace and feeling of joy that is indescribable. As you keep growing and learning more about the Lord, what he done for, has done for you, pardon me, has done for you, you will see great joy in your life. You can't describe it. Amen. Psalm 29, 11 says, The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Peace is a big deal, everybody. Amen. Especially when stuff is crazy. When you experience God's peace in the midst of crazy, you've got something. Amen. Amen. Psalm 32, 7 says, you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. Has not the Lord Jesus Christ delivered us? And not just even here in the pandemic. But just deliverance in life. You've been delivered. And of course, Philippians 4 7. Go ahead and turn to that. Philippians 4 7. You can look at it as I read it. Philippians 4 7. You all know this passage. This is the Christian Center Bible version. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding 
What does it say? Surpasses all understanding. You can't read that too fast. You slow down and look at that. You've seen this before. But now a peace that surpasses all understanding. Is there a peace like that? Only through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Ain't nowhere else you want to get it from. Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Because your mind needs to be guarded sometimes. Because your heart needs to be guarded as well too. Remember Satan does not want to see you succeed. So sometimes that armor of God has to come up. But even in that guarding of your hearts and minds, there's an expansion taking place. Amen. There's a growth taking place. That's what you need to see here. Surpasses all understanding. So to summarize, again, note the three measurables in your personal quality control assessment. Number one, your level of obedience to God through his word. Your level of obedience to God through his word. Number two, your growth in the knowledge of God through his word. Your growth in the knowledge of God through his word. Number three, your peak level with understanding of God in his word. Let that passage of that peace of God really reach in there. It's one thing to have head knowledge, but now we're talking about heart knowledge. This gradual progression in your quality assessment can be hindered if points one through three are not followed. You cannot effectively get to the third point if you're struggling with the second point, and so forth. There's no shortcuts. No shortcuts. Got to put in the work. It takes deliberate effort and sometimes very hard work. In tough circumstances. But the payoff is much more than the effort. You see how the blind man had to go through these three steps to come to a place where all that was left was to worship Jesus Christ. That's all that was left. God receives the glory as you look to him through life's difficulties. Amen. Are you ready to step it up with your assessment of your faith in Jesus? Ask yourself about this process and determine if the quality of your Christian life can be improved. It probably can. I can speak for myself too. There's always room for improvement. It's time for quality control of your faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for how you show us what we need to do as we look to you and respond to your promptings. Lord, you sometimes seek after us because maybe we're not coming to you as we should. We thank you for the reminders through the Holy Spirit as you teach us and help us assess where we really are in faith with you. And Lord, we have said and spoken as a group that there is always room for improvement. And Lord, we want to put in the work because it's work that's well worth the time. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done, all you continue to do for us. Thank you for these reminders in Scripture. Thank you for your teaching 
and reminding us to get into your word and study it and be with it within the word every day. And Lord, not just even read just the planned scripture that day, but even expand upon that and just keep reading. Keep seeking. Keep searching. We thank you, Lord. We give you all the praise for all you have done for us and all that you continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen.